Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we are talking about a breaking news segment on FDA warning letters that have been issued in the wake of coronavirus. And we are joined by Hoban Law Group attorney, Ashley Simpson. Ashley, thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Nashley, tell us a little bit about how your day-to-day life has been affected down in Texas uh, from this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. Um, our our city went on um, a pretty serious lockdown a couple weeks ago, so a lot of the restaurants and businesses have been closed. I typically office out of my home anyway, so I think there's probably not been – uh, as many changes for me as there have for others, but it's definitely an adjustment, and I'm, uh, you know, trying to trying to stay busy and, and working with my kids at home, and we're making it through. We're glad to hear it, and uh, let's jump right into what really has occurred in, in the last 24 hours, which is this warning letter came out from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to a company by the name of NeuroXPF, and they got uh, chided for claiming that their product was a treatment to coronavirus. Why is this so alarming? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think this was one of several companies that have been issued these types of letters. I I believe it's the only CBD company. Um, And so essentially this this product is being represented um, as, as um, a product that could potentially maintain your immune system to help your body prepare to fight a coronavirus infection. So that's kind of the, the statements that are being made. And um, from the FDA's perspective and, and under federal law, which is nothing new, making those types of statements as a, a potential prevention or treatment for a disease is a disease claim. And, and that renders the product an unapproved drug under federal law. And so the FDA appears to be taking this um, pretty seriously and, and, and responding. Well, and actually, we've seen letters come out from the FDA as it relates to CBD products. Uh, they've recently been few and far between, but they've gone back a couple of years. And most of those letters involve claims, of course, uh, companies that were making claims that CBD products can treat, cure, or diagnose a particular health condition. Uh, and then, uh, so more of the FTC, more of the claims and representation side of things. And then you've got the FDA side of things where some of these folks are uh, saying, you know, you can't sell this product because it's not properly a supplement. Uh, it's properly a drug or so forth and so on. But it's almost always the fact that these companies make claims that get the government's attention. So you've dealt with a lot of these letters and a lot of these scenarios before. What What is the fundamental thing that the CBD companies need to understand about claims? They can't make them. They're not supposed to make them. But why do they keep making them? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are some some nuances there. So for products like dietary supplements, um, the law does allow you to make structure function claims. So quote unquote, those are structure function claims. And that's a lot different than a disease claim. So a disease claim can be expressed or implied. So just because you don't say this product cures cancer, it can absolutely still be a disease claim. And what you say can be um, an implied statement that this product could 
help uh, prevent, mitigate the symptoms of, or treat a disease. So, um, you know, there, there, there could be some confusion going on there, particularly with regard to immunity claims. So, as you'll, um, I'm sure you've seen, if you, you know, if you walk into a, a pharmacy, you can buy vitamin C supplements that make immunity support claims. So that's much different than, than making a claim um, regarding immunity and linking that, um, linking that immunity claim to a particular disease. So, you know, there, there's kind of a, a lot of differences there in, in the types of claims you can make. And again, we're talking about dietary supplement products, not cosmetics, not foods, not um, other types of products. So there could be some confusion going on there. But yeah, this is nothing new. This isn't, um, you know, there, there were no federal laws passed in response to CBD products not being able to make disease claims. No products that are um, approved, that are not approved by the FDA as drugs or don't follow the over-the-counter drug and monograph regulations can be marketed as a, as a treatment for a disease. It's not a, not a new thing. And as I, I, as I look at some of the representations from this company, just looking at that, uh, that FDA letter here right now, um, it's kind of cleverly worded what they posted. Mm-hmm. But this is an important thing. We'll get into some of the nuance there. But they posted these not on a label, not on a package, but on their social media. Yeah. Why does that matter? If it's not on your package, should it? Shouldn't it just? Shouldn't it? Matter? You can say whatever you want on social media. At least that's what everybody seems to think. Give us a little clarity about how social media and website posting, etc., also relates to what you put on your package. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just the the physical label that's affixed to the product itself. The website content, blog content, social media content virtually any marketing material that you're distributing to the public about your product is considered part of the labeling. So although the label affixed to the product is the product label, the labeling um, includes much, much more, even testimonials that consumers might post on your website about your product. That equates to the labeling, and it's up to the, to the company selling those products to monitor and remove any testimonials that might constitute disease claims. So... I mean, the, the FDA is a consumer protection agency, right? So they want to make sure that people who are looking at these products and reading about them and trying to understand what they do don't get the wrong idea and don't buy this product thinking it's going to treat their disease. They want to make sure that um, that the, the correct information is being disseminated and that, that consumers aren't getting the wrong idea. So, so as I look at some of the, the language here on this particular um, letter, it talks, it says, it talks about crush corona. Uh, so, again, right there, you're kind of leading uh, consumers down the road of saying this is whatever they're going to say next, it's going to help you crush corona or, or, or treat mm-hmm. coronavirus. So so that's a bit misleading. And then you sort of dive into it a little bit. Uh, it talks about, well, scientists are developing a vaccine. It's going to take time, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not reading this verbatim. I'm just summarizing it. But then this is where I'll read it verbatim. It says there is something you can do right now, basically, as you're awaiting this vaccine. Take CBD. CBD can help keep your immune system at the top of its game. So it doesn't appear to be over the top and say our CBD will cure the virus or kill the virus or or address coronavirus. It seems to be saying that CBD will help uh, with the improvement or or the, you know, just support of your immune system. So you talked a little while ago about structure and function claims. Let's sort of zero in on that. Why is this not a structure and function claim? And what is a structure and function claim? CBD can help keep your immune system top of the game. It's not saying that CBD will cure corona. 
so help us make those distinctions so that our listeners understand why this is inappropriate and why even when you try to be clever, you still can't make those claims. Yeah, absolutely. So you made an excellent point in that, in that one statement that the company makes. CBD can help keep your immune system at the top of its game. Had they just stopped right there and not mentioned any other disease, um, that could probably have been a structure function claim. So a claim that a dietary supplement fights disease or enhances disease-fighting functions of the body is a disease claim. But more general claims, such as um, this product generally supports the immune system, is not specific enough to apply prevention of disease because the immune system has both structure function and disease-fighting roles. So there's a lot of caveats there that you have to understand when making these types of claims um, that, you know, if you go further than that, then uh, what you think is a structure function claim could very easily be an implied disease claim. And so what basically what the, the federal law says about these products is that any product that affects the structure or function of the human body, so any product that's, that's marketed as affecting the human body is technically a drug. But what we've done for dietary supplements is made an allowance for certain structure function claims. So that's why you see calcium supplements out there that, that make bone-related um, claims and, and vitamin C supplements that make immune system support claims. But if you go further than that, and the, you know, the, the context and, and specificity here are very important. So um, making claims like supports the body's ability to resist infection, that's going to be an implied disease claim. Supports the body's antiviral capabilities, those are disease claims because the context um, leads to d- disease prevention and, and treatment capabilities. So there's there's a lot of um, details there in examining those claims and trying to make sure that um, that they're not going further than structure function and into that implied disease claim realm. Bob, I want to put this to you, and I don't know if you if you're kind of trying to flesh this out, but if we look at the other FDA letters that have come out, let's just say over the past six to eight months. Does this seem like a slight shift from the FDA in what they are now drawing attention to? Put it a different way. It seemed like the claims that were getting called out by the FDA previously were a little bit more specific. The language in this, as you said, it kind of seems innocent on the surface. Of course, then it talks about the immune system. Um, do you think it's just has to do with the sensitivity of the, the coronavirus pandemic and them just trying to kind of get out ahead of it? Uh, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, this is this is uh, sort of textbook crisis mode capitalist. Unfortunately, this has occurred in the natural product industry for decades. This is not new. It's not unique to CBD in terms of representing in the time of a crisis or, or some sort of public health emergency that this product will help you address, cure, or treat a particular condition. And the FDA, uh, while it generally moves slow and really does have very little enforcement mechanism outside of letters and outside of lawsuits that are time-intensive and, 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 and human-resource-intensive as it relates to to CBD and not unique to a situation like we're facing right now, um, it's also not out of line with what the FDA has said thus far. This particular letter simply focuses on claims. So it's very easy for the FDA, upon a a mounting evidence, uh, reports, calls from people um, to go out and issue a letter that talks about claims. And the FDA has typically taken that letter to the next step and talked about the reason why it can't be a supplement and the reason why 
that you can't even be selling these products right now. This letter doesn't go that far. This letter simply talks about the claims. And the FDA is, in fact, built for times like this where people are, unfortunately, going out and capitalizing on people's fear, capitalizing on panic. And this is where the government does have an important role um, to sort of make sure that the playing field is leveled and that people aren't being taken for a ride. We saw the exact same thing happen in Oregon and in California and a couple of other places around the country in the last two weeks where there had been less of a uh, an advertisement but more of a billboard or a billboard, a, a chalkboard or a, or a notice in a window of a coffee shop that sort of makes claims that CBD can help you know, eliminate inflammation, which in turn will help you better cope with the coronavirus. Um, so this is not unusual. This is, in fact, the government's core job to make sure that the playing field is level and make sure that consumers are informed about what they're buying. But the limitation here is even more uh, definitive because you can't make those types of claims, period, unless you go down the road of, to Ashley's point, the structure function analysis. And even that requires time and study um it's not just something you can say well this product helps me sleep so it promotes sleep you can't just do that you still have to go through a process to be able to be in a position to make a structure function claim even though it's not as rigorous as a drug claim for example well and again exactly there's a number of requirements you have to meet to make those claims i mean this is just a threshold issue determining whether it's a disease claim or a structure function claim so even if you um, are correct in determining that the claim is, is structure function and not disease, you still have to have substantiation that that claim is truthful and not misleading, and that's more than just a testimonial or two. You've got to have adequate study. You have to include the required FDA disclaimer, and technically you're supposed to notify the FDA within 30 days of marketing the product with that claim. So when we're talking about the difference between structure function and disease, we're not just talking about, oh, okay, we know the claim isn't a disease claim, so you can make it. That's just determining whether the claim can be included at all. There's still more rules that you have to follow to make those types of claims. Well, and again, as a point of comparison to the other letters that we have seen, as I look at this letter, it says that they are the FDA is asking for a response within 48 hours. Uh, Ashley, how does that compare with the response time of the other letters we've seen? Yeah, I've, I've not seen that before. So I think 20-plus warning letters were issued to CBD companies in 2019, and most, if not all, allowed 15 working days to respond. Um, and and, and, and um, excuse me, uh, notify the agency of the steps that were taken to correct those violations. And here we're looking at, at 48 hours, and that's just kind of a testament to the, the FDA taking this very seriously and, and protecting the, the vulnerable and the fearful and, and not being um, taken advantage of in this time. Sure. It's an important thing to do. Ashley, while we have you, um, some other news out of Texas. Uh, they opened the applications for 2020 hemp production just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, are you excited to kind of see hemp start to be grown in the Lone Star State? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Texas passed its, its first hemp legislation in May of last year, um, and, and that will allow the cultivation and, and processing of hemp products in, in this state. The, um, the Texas Department of Agriculture submitted its uh, state hemp plan to the USD in December of last year, and it was approved in January. So um, Texas has been pretty quick to get those administrative rules um, published, and, and the, those were became effective in March. And yeah, the, the application process for the, the hemp selling license and permit application 
opened on March 16th. So we're excited to, to see what's going to happen with Temp in Texas this year, and it, it should be exciting. We are too. Well, it's definitely important for for anybody listening to kind of hear this message around claims and representations. What is okay to say? What is simply not okay? How are people kind of taking advantage of uh, of people's fear right now? Uh, Ashley, we thank you for being here. Uh, any parting thoughts? No, thank you for having me. Yeah, I just I, I, it's been great, and I appreciate the invitation. We appreciate you. Thanks for being here, Ashley. Be a lot. Appreciate it. Be well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hoban Minutes special series on coronavirus and cannabis. You can head on over to hoban.law for more information on this podcast or the Hoban Law Group. If you have any ideas for subjects that we should be covering or any questions you want to pose to, to Bob or myself, shoot us an email at media at hoban.law. Stay tuned for the next episode on this special series, Coronavirus and Cannabis.